Welcome back once again to another exciting, amazing episode of We Ate All the Pies. We are all here uh, a little bit later this week. It's been quite a busy week, um, and this will be probably a little bit of an abbreviated show. Um, we'll talk a little bit about last weekend, but we're so far into the week, I feel like we have to focus on some news items and what's coming up this weekend. Um, but I will introduce uh, us all right now. My name is Adam. I'm a very, very happy West Ham fan. We will talk more about that in a minute. Uh, uh, down the line, and I'll start with uh, Cousin Jordan, who I would say is a happier Newcastle fan this week, perhaps, than he has been. Other than the week that you guys got taken over by the Saudis. But you have a new manager, which we're going to talk about in a minute. How you doing, Jordan? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, driving home currently. I can hear. I enjoy... I enjoy seeing the stars at 7 o'clock, you know, uh, Central Time now. Very nice. It's uh, getting towards that most wonderful time of the year. And Boxing that day. just means more, more and more football for us. Yeah, there's a lot in December. Um, <clears throat> well, after this international break, we pretty much, I mean, it's its just downhill. Uh, straight into some a, a pile of football, as Jordan was pointing out. So, so. Thank you for joining us tonight, Jordan. And also down the line is Caleb, uh, who is out in Macon, Georgia. I imagine also a happy Fulham fan, but probably also happy for another reason. Um, I think part of the reason that this is going to be an abbreviated show is because Caleb and I are getting ready to go to Denver for a friend's bachelor party, which um, I, I am, I'm excited about, but my body doesn't maybe feel so ready for uh, because I'm over 30 now, and, and the partying days were, were long behind us. But how are you feeling, Caleb? We got, we, yeah, we got some sinning to do. <laughs> <laughs> got to get out to debt now to be, I agree with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm secretly terrified at what, at what uh, a handful of days with uh, lads younger than me are going to do to me. But uh, hopefully we're all roughly, hopefully we're all old enough. If I can get one good night in there, I'd be pretty happy. Uh, so they've, thanks to... COVID, um, I think, and, and those sort of backups from the, from the supply chain, uh, they've regionally, they have been out of my favorite beer, which is Boddington's, but I found some this past week. And so I've been trying to prepare my body by having an ale at night just to kind of get it used to the feeling again. <laughs> this is what alcohol is. You <laughs> yes. have a lot of it. Get ready. Oh, so yeah, this, that'll be fun. So we've got, we've got some stuff to do tonight. So this will be I'm sorry if this show feels a little bit rushed, um, but we're going to leave as much time as possible for everything. We do the English League Championship update. We're going to talk a little bit of FA Cup. I do want to wrap that up really quickly because we talked about it last week, um, and it happened over the past weekend. Um, but first, there's a lot, a lot of news that came out of this past weekend of the Premier League. Um, they must have known – it must have been something to do with being an international week. They just sort of piled everything into this past weekend. Um we had two managers sacked and one manager found. And so we'll start with, uh, well, I guess two managers found now that that became official today. So we'll start with that one. Aston Villa, uh, after their defeat to Southampton on Friday night, uh, decided to sack Dean Smith. Caleb was right. We asked which manager would be next. He said Dean Smith. He was 100% correct. Well done to Caleb. Um, does not count for extra points in the top shelf lost. picks, but it's, it's brownie points. It should I feel, I feel bad that the man lost his job, but I would gladly yeah. trade his job for knowledge of my superpowers. So, yeah, it is it is unfortunate for for Mr. Dean Smith, but everybody's forgotten about that by now because his the the naming of his successor happened today, and that is more exciting. Welcome back to the Premier League, Mr. C.B. Gerrard. Steven Gerrard appointed today. He has left Rangers, and uh, I think they got a pretty decent compensation. Uh, from that deal, but he is officially in charge of Aston Villa. Uh, he will be um, on the touchline when Aston Villa plays next, which I'll have to talk about in a minute. I'll, I'll find that in a minute. But first, um, I, I like this appointment, and I think it's good, and I think it's better than I, the plan that I think a lot of people had for Steven Gerrard, which is, oh, well, he's going to go from Rangers straight into the Liverpool job when Klopp leaves, which I thought would have been way too soon, and technically I guess can still happen, but I feel like this is a good place for him. He's obviously won a championship up in Scotland, um, you know, had the unbeaten season, 
He's done very well with Rangers, not necessarily on the European stage, but he has done well with them in the league and just a big job to bring them back from essentially ruin uh, and to, you know, to really to get them on that final push and make them champions of Scotland again. So he's done very well. I think this is the right place for him. I think he can do a lot of good at Aston Villa. Um, I think it'll be a little bit of a different style. I think he might, he's, he's, He's more of the traditional sort of attacking kind of, you know, let's let's sling it wide kind of guy. But he's also young enough to change that. So so I feel good about this. How do you guys feel about Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa and, and this appointment um, and this being his first step in the Premier League as a manager? Honestly, um, kind of surprised that he would uh, accept this job. I, I, you know, I figured he would have stayed in Scotland, like we, you know, like you just said, and you know, in three years, when Klopp leaves, just step right into, you know, the the touch, uh, uh, step onto the touchline at Liverpool. Um, but unfortunately for Dean Smith, he lost his he lost Aston Villa lost his talisman over the summer, Jack Grealish. Yes, they got a hundred million pounds back, but it's been kind of evident that they're, they are just missing something without him. And, you know, maybe having a new voice, uh, in the, in the dugout, uh, kind of kick things back into gear. Uh, you know, integrate uh, Windia into the into the uh, into the offense a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, get Ollie Watkins, uh, you know, scoring goals again like he did last season. Um, just get this team playing at the level they should because I believe they are underperforming right now. Yeah, that was one thing that we talked about in the previews. Both you and Caleb were kind of excited about Aston Villa, and for a while they played like that and they were successful i do think one of the things that's hurt them recently is injuries uh danny ings was missing for that game against uh west ham a few weeks ago um which you know not to take anything away from west ham's performance obviously but but you know that was notable and i I feel like if if he had been playing maybe that would have been different um and then Leon Bailey, who, which I thought was a fantastic signing, he's been out for injury until without, he's been out with injury until very recently. So I, I do think that sort of hit him. But you brought up a good point. Emiliano Buendia brought in from from Norwich, very highly rated, looked like he was going to you know kick on at Aston Villa, and he just hasn't really been all that involved. And it's just kind of surprising. There's been some criticism I think about the way that Dean Smith has used him in the team and whether or not they need a different look. So yeah, I, and 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 it. An attack-minded midfielder like Steven Gerrard might know where to put him and and be able to do a little bit more with him. Um, you know, there may be some similarities there uh, between between those two. Um, uh, Caleb, you know, we talked a little bit about the first time, but you you sort of said, um, you know, you thought Dean Smith was on his way out. Um, you know, what do you think kind of did it for him? And what do you, you know, do you think Steven Gerrard is, is a good appointment here? He's young, he's relatively untested, nothing against the Scottish League. Um, but, you know, he, you know, this is a new level for him. So it's kind of an interesting look for this Liverpool team to go from a manager who's maybe a bit more experienced to somebody who, at least in this part of the league, is brand new. Yeah, it's, I mean, in a vet, I mean, I think, I think Steve Jerry is a manager who's obviously on the rise. He's had a lot of success with um, Rangers. I think that he was going to be managing a Premier League team sooner rather than later. The reason why I think it's and, and I think that he'll do I think that he'll do well is simply because I think he's got a very talented squad. I mean, I think they're underperforming. Yeah. I don't think this is a squad. You know, again, I've been I've been pretty pretty bullish on Aston Villa. Since the start of the season, and they definitely have the players there, and, and maybe his strategy and how to play some movie plays can, can have a, a better impact. You know, clearly, as as Jordan alluded to, Dean Smith losing um, Jack Grealish clearly had a pretty pronounced impact on, on what they were able to do. The reason why it's a little bit of an odd choice for me is this is a this is a squad that's underperforming, and so you think you would bring in somebody who has loads of experience who could just get them get the ship kind of righted, and instead you've got 
a rookie manager in terms of Premier League experience. Um, and so he's going to have a lot of pressure because this isn't a position where where he's going to be given a lot of time to kind of get the ground underneath him and kind of figure out how to manage in a, at a higher level and all those things. He's going to need this team to perform pretty quickly. So, you know, I don't think this is a, a case where Villa tumbles down to the bottom half of the table and everybody's like, well, you know, it's Gerard's first year, those kind of things. They, This is a team that expected to challenge for maybe a, you know, top six finish, definitely top top half of the table. And so um, he's, he's going to have a very steep learning curve. He seems to be a manager who is capable of meeting that. But again, we, we don't know for sure. So that that's the only reason why I say it's a bit of an interesting choice to me. That's a very good point. I mean, yeah, he he kind of he's got to hit the ground running, and he's got a lot of work to do. Um, I mean, presumably, but yeah, I mean it, that's that's usually I I think you would want a signing like Gerard as a manager to happen maybe over the summer when he's got time to like get his guys in, set up the system, see what's there, and now he's basically just kind of got to hit it and go. And and I don't I really don't know if they'll give him. I don't know what they'll give him budget-wise in in January to make any moves, and whether or not he'll bring any players with him. Um, you know, from Rangers, I can think of a few who he might might like to have with him, but I don't know where they might fit in the side. Alfredo Morelos, um, for one, who I'm surprised hasn't been made the move south of the wall yet. But but yeah, so so Gerard Astavilla, his first match um, on the 20th of November is against Brighton at Villa Park. So. Uh, be interesting to watch that one. Another managerial change, Daniel Farka, has been sacked as new Norwich manager. Surprisingly, after they won, <laughs> they their first win was this past weekend. Uh, That's two, what confused me the most. <laughs> a two Why one win. Sack him? I mean, the, I don't know. they're like, listen. I mean, it's not like it's an NBA team that's like tanking for a draft pick. It's like, listen, there's no winning around here. We're going down, and we're hey. going down as quick as we can. You didn't get the memo. Um. Uh, yeah, that was kind of weird to me. I mean, the first thing that I thought of was, well, they wanted to give themselves time to see, you know, who they could line up as a replacement, but they haven't named a replacement yet. So that that sort of goes out the window. The only other thing I could think of is if they'd have sacked him the weekend before, they'd have... Yeah, this one doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it just doesn't. I keep trying to explain it in my head, and it just doesn't. And it, and it just doesn't. But um, again, you know, sad to see him go. But but again, the the potential successor is kind of interesting. Um, first of all, we there was also the news this past weekend that Neil Warnock had um, left Middlesbrough by mutual consent, and uh, I think the thought was, oh here we go, tracksuit to Norwich, let's do it. Um, I'd love to see Neil Warnock back in the he's, he's he's so funny. For anybody who hasn't seen the clip of him walking toward the camera set to bittersweet symphony you just go watch it it's it, you will laugh hysterically um but the 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 rumor is that Norwich wanted or want or are trying to get Frank Lampard so speaking of retired former England international midfielders who perhaps didn't live up to their their potential on the international stage um That'd be an interesting appointment to me. I, again, I think that would be good because, like I said, I, I don't think it would be. I don't, I don't think it was. It would be right for Stephen to, to have thrown Stephen Gerrard straight into the Liverpool deep end as his first managerial job in the Premier League. I think it was good. It's good that he's getting this experience, and I still think he could go to Liverpool at some point. But that's what happened to Lampard, and it didn't work. You know, he went to Chelsea. It was his second managerial job, but his first one in the Premier League, and he pretty much and he basically sank. Um, you know, not immediately, but but over time. Whereas now, I feel like he's going to a team. You know, it's not expected they're going to do all that well. If he can write the ship, great. If not, he's got them back in the Championship. He's got time to do that um, again and to make that work, and maybe do one better than he did when he was at Derby and get them promoted. So, Jordan, I I like that idea. I just don't know, you know, for Lampard, is it something that he would want? Would it be a good idea? Is it what they need right now? Do Norwich need to go more experienced, like with maybe, say, a Roy Hodgson, or, dare I say it, a big Sam Allardyce? 
Um, well, first of all, Neil Warnock is a definite no because I believe his last <laughs> stop or two before Middlesbrough was down the way in Ipswich, and there would be no way that the um, Norwich fans would want uh, uh, the, the Tractor Boys uh, cast-offs. Um, I didn't think so. About that. That, 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 that's one. Uh, second point, you know, if you're good, if you're going to pick Big Sam, then you, then you kind of have to have the expectation that you're going to survive in the Premier League, and that would be the only reason why you'd want, uh, why you'd want someone like that just to save, uh, just to, you know, stay, stay above relegation, which I kind of feel like at this point the bottom three and then, you know, leads have kind of, you know, separated from the lower pack a bit. And I don't, I don't say it's a certainty that Norwich is going to go down, but I believe it's a greater than, it's, 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 it's greater than coin flip odds in my mind. So why not give it to a, you know, a younger manager, uh, you know, let him get some, you know, knee-big experience in the Premier League, and then, you know, he's already was he was very he was kind of successful with Darby in the Championship, and you know maybe he could you know bring you know uh, bring that full circle and get them back up, uh, promoted really quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean. That like it's a good point. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're going for. I would say, you know, if if you're, I mean, from my perspective, if you're Norwich, what you should want right now is survival. Um, they are, you know, it, it's been a tough, tough season. But after that win, they are, they are still only five points off of safety. It's not like they're, you know, so far back. It's impossible. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's. I mean, we haven't seen a way forward with the squad yet, really, because they they just performed so poorly up until this past weekend. Um, and, but I, I do think that an, an experienced hand could guide them in the right direction. Um, I was, you know, I, certainly I was joking about Neil Warnock. Um, you know, that, that's just more. That's 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 what my heart wants. Um, and and you know, Big Sam. I don't know if that's if that's necessarily a you know something that that would be a good move for them but somebody who knows how to keep you up i think would be the best bet right now i don't think this is a norwich team that necessarily needs to rebuild i think they've been rebuilt i think they need somebody who knows what to do who can get in there and you know can say okay look guys we got to play this way and who can command that respect in the players in order to do that so so you know you know when you kind of put it like that the that does seem. I think it it would be good for Frank Lampard to get this job. Maybe not necessarily good for Norwich, if that makes sense. Um, if you want to stay up in the Premier League, I, I I don't think he would be able to keep them up. But, anyways, um, and then speaking of young managers coming in, um, to to clubs who were struggling a little bit uh, on Monday, it was confirmed Eddie Howe will be um entering the Newcastle hot seat and getting all that sweet, sweet Saudi money uh, to play with in January. Um, I already saw a video of, I can't, I don't know if it was early in the morning or late at night, but Newcastle fans uh, lining up on the side of the road outside the training ground to welcome him to the club, which is pretty cool. Um, and he stopped and took some pictures and he was just a really good guy. So um, it just so happens we have a Newcastle fan with us. Jordan, we've talked before about this is a rumor, but now that it's official, how are you feeling about the Eddie Howe appointment? I'm happy with it. Honestly, Adam, you've known my feelings for Eddie Howe for at least four years. Um, now we get to see him, you know, build the club he wants when he actually has funds to do it. Uh, but more importantly, just in the short term, it's going to bring Newcastle out of this, you know, goalless 
barren malaise, you know, uh, this wasteland of, of, of the lack of goals uh, into, uh, you know, and into a uh, more attack focused, uh, you know, forward driving team, which I've been dying to see this season. So you, so yeah, so I mean, you kind of think more attacking, you know, less less of a defensive, because I mean, I, I most of the people who look at this, I think they would argue defensively, Newcastle need the most work. Uh, I mean, I, I think they've, I, I don't know if it's the most goals, but it certainly is among the most goals conceded this season. Um, but so I mean, but for you. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, the the so you've conceded the most goals this season, but you think an, a more attacking approach would be would be preferable. Well, uh, after uh, watching enough uh, Steve Bruce manage Newcastle teams, and then you know the caretaker manager Graham Jones, um, even when our teams line up in a defensive shape, they're sitting so far back that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, it really doesn't matter how they're lined, you know, uh, how, how well defensively they are because they keep getting battered. We don't have an outlet. We can't maintain possession. Um, so, yes, I want to see a more attacking-focused team because that might relieve some of the issues we have on the defensive end. I don't know if you plan that, but the sound of you talking about defensive tactics while it sounds like you're parking a bus in the background with the with the backup with the backup beeping going on that was absolutely perfect i don't know brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> oh man um okay so that was all of that news um we've got uh uh also some well it's not so much news as it is just looking ahead um, a little bit later about uh, this next year and what we'll be doing this time next year. But before we get into that, let's talk about this past weekend and let's talk about the game that was closest to my heart. Um, West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. A glorious display from the Hammers for the whole world to watch. Uh, The first goal, let's just call it mildly controversial. Um, an own goal in the fourth minute credited to Allison. Um, that was then canceled out by a wonderful free kick from Trent Alexander-Arnold just before halftime to make it 1-1. Uh, but a, just a fantastic second-half performance. Goals from Pablo Fornals, uh, Kurt Zuma, uh, Divock Origi um, made it kind of a tense last few minutes uh, with a goal uh, strike from the top of the from the top of the box. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned at the time. I really, as much as that scared me, I can't really blame West Ham um, for conceding that goal because I too forgot that Divacarie existed. Um, but they held on. They sit three points off of Chelsea in first. They are even on points with the mighty Manchester City. They are in third place. They are ahead of Liverpool. And there was a lot of talk in the aftermath of this one uh, about this West Ham team and what they can do and so I guess I got my answer but I guess the question that I would ask both of you and Caleb you can go first here um, what is the ceiling for this West Ham team how, how high can they go what is unreasonable what is an unreasonable expectation for West Ham based on that performance in their you know, the, table yeah, yeah. it's brilliant it was a brilliant performance. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, performance that uh, I predicted uh, I might correct. add, uh, which certain um, fans of the Hammers did not. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're playing out of their mind right now. I mean, I, I think a top four finish is not out of the question. I don't think that's too high. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if I was a fan of West Ham and they and they, you know, fell out of the top four and finished, you know, sixth or seventh or whatever, you, you might be like, oh, you know, a little bit of a letdown when in any normal year, that'd be a fantastic finish. But yeah, I mean, this is a team that's playing out of their mind. Um, they're playing, they're a very talented team. Um, I think they're managed really well. Um, they're confident. So yeah, I, I think a reasonable expectation to a certain extent would be a, would be a, a top four finish. And if obviously if that happens, 
you know, I think that's that's got to be kind of an all-time one of the all-time greats for for that for that in the Premier League for that side. Oh, it would be. I mean, they they finished. Uh, I mean, last, last year was last, the best year in yes. the Premier League, right? Okay, absolutely. Yes, yes, yeah. the best best finish in the Premier League last season um, in the Europa League slash UEFA Cup group stage for the first time ever. So yeah, um, yeah, it, it's 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 the last season was great, and this season is already shaping up. Uh, to be better. Um, so Jordan, I got to put that question to you at the same time, but also saying, you know, there, there are some people who are saying, hell, West Ham are in a, are in a title hunt here. Is that too, is that too far of a stretch? Now, Adam, unfortunately, I'm going to put a little bit of rain on your parade. Oh, go ahead uh, and rain. Cause I, my answer is probably surprising, but go ahead. Um, if that game was to be replayed probably ten times, I feel like Liverpool would win at least six. Uh, there might be a draw or two, but West Ham would still probably get a couple wins out of a ten-game series between those two teams. Um, West Ham is playing out of their mind. They're in a great front of form. I believe they've taken the most points um, in the past. God, I, I think the games, or since the last international break, I'm not 100% positive on that, but they've taken 20 points since the last international break. Uh, for, uh, with Arsenal, the only the, uh, with Arsenal second at 19. So, uh, you know, two London clubs on top form right now. But what's going to hurt West Ham in the long run um, is losing uh, Angel, uh, Angelo Obama uh, to an ACL tear. He's gone. Um, and then just not having much depth across the team, especially uh, especially at striker. But we've seen we've seen things happen in the Premier League before. Um, I could go back I could, I could recall the first year of my fandom, the 2011-2012 season, um, where Newcastle I believe ultimately finished fifth that year and just barely lopped out to uh, on Champions League qualification. Um, but anything can happen. We've seen Leicester City win a title. Anything can happen. So no, I'm not ruling out a top four finish for West Ham. I'm just saying it's not a high probability outcome. I agree with you, and I, I, I don't think if West Ham finished in the top four, I would be, I'd be flabbergasted for a lot of the reasons that you just stated. Um, however, there, there's a, there's there's a light at the end of the at the end of this um, that's kind of starting to get bigger, which I'll explain in a minute. But yeah, I mean, depth is a serious problem for this team. I mean, I remember when when they went up three one. Which, by the way, I this was probably the first game I can remember in a long time where I was I was literally moving with every kick of the ball. I mean, I, I was running around my house. I was jumping up and down. When Kurt Zuma scored, it was like euphoric. It, it was incredible. I, I could not. I, I I almost didn't know where I was. Um, and I can only imagine. I haven't been a West Ham fan for that long. I can only imagine what the Hammers fans in the stadium and and those who have been with the club for a long time um, were. We're thinking, um, but yeah, it depth is an issue, and I remember looking at the bench after we went up three one and saying, "Who can who can we bring on that's going to change anything?" And I really didn't have an answer. Um, you know, Alex Crowell, I, I think, got uh, you know fell ill, and he's kind of been dealing. I, th- I think it may have been COVID, but he's kind of been dealing with that, so he's just now coming back. He could be a good option off the bench, and obviously, there's. You know, there's Mark Noble, which is more of a – he's turning into more of a symbolic sub at the moment um, just because of his age and what he means to the club. Um, but there was definitely no depth at striker. You know, you can bring in Lanzini, but is that a whole lot different? So it, depth is going to be a problem. I'm surprised it hasn't been so far, and they've been able to balance with the Europa League. But, I mean, if if we win against Rapid Vienna in the next match, you know, that's hopefully, fingers crossed, an entire spring – uh, of, um, 
you know, entire second half of the season of Europa League football. And so that's going to eat into it. There is some hope, though. Um, so there's, I can't remember his name at the moment, but there's there's a Czech billionaire who has bought a 27% stake in West Ham. Um, and fingers crossed that means some additional transfer funds in January. We definitely need a striker. Probably wouldn't hurt to get a center back, although... I will note Craig Dawson's been having a very, very good season. In partner with Kurt Zuma, I think that that works. And then we still have Issa Diop. So, and, and there are still, you know, there's I think, uh, Jamal Baptiste, who's a young player. I think Ben Johnson can play some center back. Uh, he's been doing great at right back. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think the Ogbonna injury is, I, I don't think it's devastating. It definitely hurts. But, you know, some depth would be good. And if we can pick that up in January, great. If not, I do think settling into a sixth or seventh or possibly even lower, depending on how far we go in the Europa League, I think that's in the cards. But, you know, it's worth enjoying right now and just having some fun. I, I took a screenshot of the uh, the table. Um, uh, okay, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Liverpool. First of all, that... <laughs> the. I was surprised. I went over after the result and, and went over to the Liverpool Reddit page just because I was just expecting um, some tears to feast on. But they actually were, were very, very kind. And they were saying, you know, oh, fair play to West Ham. You know, they were just better than us on, on today. And a lot of them were actually were faulting Allison for that first goal. Now, I didn't think it was a foul. Um, Jurgen Klopp is convinced that it was and thinks that the goalkeeper should be more protected. Um but I, I don't know, that, that that just seemed fair to me. They're both going up for the ball, and they're going to get it. I don't know I don't know what else could have been done. I was surprised that VAR looked at it and said nothing was wrong, though. So, I mean, to me that seemed fair. But I am a West Ham fan, so I, I'm probably biased. Did anybody think that was a foul? Adam, <clears throat> I agree with you that it wasn't okay. a foul. Now... I will say it is one of those calls that if it's if it was called a foul against Agbana on the pitch and then VAR looked at it, there's not enough evidence either either way to overturn the original call. If you understand what I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yes, Agbana's arm was high, but that was just in it was it was in the it was in the, the act of jumping. And if the on if the, if the referee on the pitch did not whistle and you know stop play there, then there is no reason that for VAR to overturn that and call that a foul because it was not clear and egregious. Um, you know, talking about Liverpool, I noticed that during the match a lot, Trent Alexander Arnold was having to drift inside and further up the pitch than he normally would be unless he's making an overlap. Uh, because I don't know what's going on with the Liverpool midfield, but with you know Curtis Jones uh, and Harvey out, it feels yeah. like they don't have any dynamism really, and like no one can you know make that unlocking pass to get the ball to the speed of Salah, Firmino, uh, Yota, or uh, Mane, and it's fallen to uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's dragging him further up further up and in uh, on the pitch than where he needs to be, and it's kind of hurting them defensively. Yeah, it's a weird kind of situation, and, and I think I think maybe when they brought... When they, when they bought Thiago last season i think the idea was let's bring him in and let's see if he can if he can help with that and help to to boost the midfield but you know missing dynamism that's a very very good way to put it he's just not that dynamic of a midfielder he doesn't pass forward he passes sideways he's very slow you know he's he's not the type who's going to get the ball and run forward um and uh, yeah i it it just looks kind of strange and and I, I will say this though, Fabinho and Trent Alexander-Arnold can technically I, I, they can switch positions. Fabinho, Fabinho can play in a right back, and Trent Alexander-Arnold can tuck inside during times and play as a central midfielder. So 
I do wonder if that was going on, if maybe we were seeing them switch places. But yeah, he, I, other than the free kick, yeah, it was interesting. You know, he he was. Uh, I don't think he was picked for the England squad, Trent Alexander Arnold, and he he caught a lot of criticism despite the fact that he did score a great free kick goal, even though if, even though it was set up by a, a dive um, by Salah, but. It was a great free. It was a great goal. I mean, it was wonderful. It was one for the for the for the books. I mean, the, you'll see that on highlight reels for the season. Um, but it was interesting that he just he he still came in with a lot of criticism um, uh, after that match. Um, like I said, this is this is kind of a quick show, so we're going to move on to uh, to the next big result of the weekend. This one started out our Saturday. It was Manchester United nil, Manchester City two. Um, not a very exciting derby if I do say so myself, but uh, it's United's fourth defeat of the season, an own goal by Eric Bailly, set up a disappointing afternoon for the Red Devils once again. Bernardo Silva uh, sealed the deal before halftime, and he had a really, really good outing. Um, So City are in second. They're three points off of the leaders, uh, Chelsea, who we'll talk about next. But United had a total of five shots. This is a Manchester United with Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, uh, Bruno Fernandez, Ronaldo, um, in their squad, they had five total shots the entire game. One of them was on target. We talked about West Ham just now, how high they can go. I'm going to ask a similar question now: Is will this United team finish in the top four? Will they even get Champions League football at this rate? It's hard to tell right now simply because I don't think that if this continues... I mean, obviously, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer probably is sacked at some point. And so you have to think, well, what would his replacement do in terms of strategy and and who he starts and those things. But I will say that the way the team is currently constructed in terms of both management, strategy, and personnel, it's hard to see this team having a top-four finish um, because, I mean... (laughs) They're just throwing players out there. I mean, it doesn't seem like they, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of planning going on. And if there's ever a time to go into a match with really solid strategy in terms of how to respond to your opponent's many strengths and maybe a handful of weaknesses, I mean, this was the match to do. It was a derby. You're playing against um, a side that is that is incredibly powerful, but also have does have some weaknesses that you can exploit. You know, it's a team that has struggled to score goals at times and. And things like that. So, um, you know, I think the way it's currently constructed, probably not top four team. I think at the end of the season, um, if they make the right moves, it, they well could be. But um, I just, I mean, it, they, they just seem listless out there. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I understand what's going on. I don't understand why it's continuing. It's it's strange because he goes in, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes into last weekend against Tottenham when we're thinking, okay, he's on the verge of getting sacked. And, you know, it's, it's a bit, you know, what's the, 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 the black dot, you know, for pirates in, in Treasure Island. Um, you know, it's the a bit black, like the black spot, the black spot. Yeah. He passes that yes. on to Nuno <laughs> when he's there and Nuno's gone. And now somehow this weekend, he managed to slip it in Daniel Farkas pocket or whatever, or put it on his hand. And now he's gone and Ola lives. He's still going. And I don't understand how he's doing this. And I think there are a lot of United fans who don't understand how he's doing this. It almost feels like United are just resigned to keeping him, which I I don't really understand other than maybe Conte was your guy and now he's at Spurs. So what do you do? Um, You know, Pochettino is going to cost you a a pretty good amount. So, I I mean, I don't really know. I mean, Mason Greenwood's not firing. Rashford obviously has some time to get up. This midfield's not looking very good. Paul Pogba's out for eight to ten weeks now, so there's that. I don't know. I, I, it's it's going to be competitive, and I just with with the way Arsenal are surging, with Conte at Spurs now making and, and ideally from their perspective making them competitive with West Ham in there. I don't know if United have enough to reach the top four. It's it's I don't see. I just don't see it. Right now, in them, Jordan is 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 this a top four Manchester United team? As currently constructed and managed, hell no. Yeah. 
um, it was evident, uh, you know, after, you know, la- after last week, you know, you stick with the back three to cover your defense, uh, your defensive um, shortcomings, but yet you allow City to basically play with a one-person midfield in Rodri because uh, Gunduan and De Bruyne were both pushed up on the center backs with Foden and uh, Jesus staying wide to keep both wing backs home. So it was a five-on-five, you know, uh, man-up style battle in the Manchester United, uh, you know, defensive uh, defensive third, and they've lost. This game should not have been 2-0. It should have been four to five nil. Just how thoroughly, you know, outmaneuvered they were across the pitch. No, this team is not top four. This team might not be top table. Top into the table. Okay. Wow. They, hold, they, on. They, hold, on. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's a bit. I mean, that's like I could. I mean. I understand what you're saying. I, I do think they will still fall. I, I think they'll still fall in and around the top six. They might be seventh, um, depending on what happens. But yeah, I mean, th- th- you're right. And I mean that that sort of makes me think, you know, if City were that willing to go, you know, a five on five kind of thing, what does that say about how United are playing in one on one battles? I mean, if, if that's not at all intimidating then for a, a team like City, if they feel like they can. They can take you one on one and just so so completely eviscerate you um, in that way. Sixty seven percent possession for Manchester City, by the way. So yeah, that they pretty much dominated that one. Um, okay, so that was up uh, at Old Trafford. Back down south, we had uh, the leaders Chelsea taking on Burnley, um, a reborn Burnley. I think I should say. I think a few weeks ago they got a nice win, and I, they got a nice result one one. Uh, against, um, like I said, uh, against Chelsea. A very efficient performance, we'll just say, uh, from Burnley. Uh, Matej Vidra with the goal on the 79th minute. Um, Chelsea had taken the lead through Kai Havertz just after the half-hour mark. Uh, so a bit of a surprise uh, for Chelsea, still without Lukaku. Um, you know, maybe having a, one or two injury issues at the moment. Uh, they do still lead at the top of the table by three points, and but after that, I do. This is the last kind of big question I'm going to put to to everybody. Um, so Chelsea sit top. You have City up there. You have West Ham. Obviously, Liverpool can't necessarily rule them out. Um, what do we see from here on out? Is this going to be a a dogfight like this until the end, where? You know, maybe we even have some some lead changes. Uh, you know, maybe City are up there for a little bit. Maybe Chelsea, maybe Liverpool make a comeback and and get back up there. Maybe West Ham. You know, maybe they keep this run going for a little bit, and end up in the top spot for some for for a little bit, and then they fall back down. Maybe Spurs make a surge. You know, do we see this kind of changing around and this being just an epic title battle, or do we feel like maybe someone's going to break away from this pack and? Someone's going to start to dominate, whether it's City, Liverpool, Chelsea. You know, what are we feeling at this stage of the season? Obviously, this doesn't count for a whole lot, but uh, you know, because it's like it's, it's we're only eleven games in. But what what are we feeling? Is is this is this a dog fight? Is this a title fight for the ages? I think I, I find it hard to believe that a team is going to pull away a la Liverpool from you know a couple seasons ago and and really and really just kind of blow everybody out of the water. I mean, I, I think that it, simply because I think Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City are so good. And you have sides like um, United and, and, and West Ham um, who uh, are, are kind of right up there as well. And so it just seems like there's just – and on the flip side of that, a lot of the top teams, you can look at, you can look at City, you can look at Chelsea – you can you can look at Liverpool and you can see where there's also some pretty distinctive flaws. Um, Chelsea has struggled to score and get production, especially when Lukaku is out. But um, you know, if, if they don't have, well, you know, when he's gone, you know, Havertz and and Mason Mount and Werner and Pul- and Pulisic, you know, haven't been as productive as um, 
you know, I think people thought they might be. Part of this, obviously, because many of them have been hurt and there's been international things going on. But um, but anyway, I, I so you look at Manchester City, they don't have a definitive um, striker um, who, who can really, um, you know, uh, score when they desperately need it. We've seen them fail to score when they needed to do so. Uh, Liverpool, I mean, obviously, you can see in the loss to, I mean, they're probably the most complete team, um, but obviously they're capable of having of having the bad match, and, you know, they performed very poorly against, against West Ham. So um, I, it, it's probably a three-team race for the top, but I find it hard to see any of those teams really pulling away. If I had to pick a team, it would probably be Liverpool because I think they probably have the most depth. Um, what the hell? I think Chelsea can be thin in different spots, so I, it'll, I think it's going to be a dogfight. Interesting, Jordan. Is anybody going to break away from this pack, or are we going to? Is it going to be a a three or more horse race until May? Um, I'm in agreement with uh, Caleb. This is going to be a title chase for the ages. I don't know if it's going to come down to last the last match but I kind of feel like it is just because the top three teams have, you know, such clear flaws right at the moment, you know, with, you know, Chelsea, you know, not being able to score without Lukaku. Um, now, in, uh, going back to the Burnley match, Chelsea had so many chances, but Nick Pope played himself back into the England squad on that, on that game because he was incredible. Um, but, you know, getting back to the question at hand, you know, City lacking its true striker. Uh, so, you know, they missed some opportunities to turn draws into wins. Uh, and then, you know, Liverpool uh, with its injury issue and then, you know, uh, tactical uh, issue, uh, you know, like we discussed how sometimes if you can beat the press, you could, they are able to be played around, if you yeah. uh, uh, remember so, no, no team is going to break away from the pack. Uh, this is going to be very close up to the end of the season, and what will most likely occur is the team that is a combination of both the healthiest and the lucky and the lucky luckiest through the you know late spring will ultimately be champions. I, I do think it's setting up to be a, a good little title fight here. I, I'm going to say, and I just kind of feel this, I feel like we will see, after the the holiday break, and I think we'll see during, or not the holiday break, during the, the holiday fixtures, uh, the fixtures around Christmas, that's going to be a really telltale moment. Chelsea have some really, really difficult games. I mean, it's like, you know, they've got, uh, within the span of just a few weeks, they've got like Tottenham and 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 uh, uh, and City, and then they play uh, Liverpool. I think on on January the second, and they play Arsenal at some point in there, and and, and they they play Leicester. I mean, they've got a really really tough, you know, some tough games, and obviously then they'll have the FA Cup, things like that in January. But if they can get through that unscathed, I think we will start to see them break away. So that's that's a very good possibility that Chelsea will start to break away from this, you know, later in December as we get into the first part of the year. And I do think they've got that in them. And the reason I say that is because, you know, we've seen teams struggle this season. We, you know, we saw City lose to, to Palace a few weeks ago. We've seen Liverpool, um, you know, have, have, have their struggles after a pretty strong start. And, and we, we see maybe some, some cracks in, in what, what they're doing. But for Chelsea, even when the cracks are, are there, they still managed to to get a win. Um, I think it was against I can't remember who it was against um, Southampton, maybe. That it just looked like they 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 barely got by, and yet at the very end of it, they they came out with the win and, and got you know the three points, and got the hell out of there. This weekend didn't play great, still got a point and are still top of the table. So uh, we're seeing these instances where Chelsea are not playing necessarily their best football, yet they are still getting results that are valuable to them, and that's a sign of a great team. And so I, I, I'm going to 
for the sake of, of argument here, I'm going to say that I think Chelsea will start to break away. But it is going to be very, very soon if that's going to happen. We're going to see that. If it isn't, if Chelsea loses a few of these games in this tough, in this difficult run, you know, if they drop points to Arsenal, if they, if they, you know, if, if, if you know, City have a very, very golden chance very early in the season to to get one back on them. But um, but if they can if they can pull themselves together, if they can stick through that, if they can get Lukaku back through there, if they can get Timo Werner healthy. I think that we could start to see them break away and some distance start to form between those three and then the top one. So we will see. All right, um, real quick, just to get through these, the rest of these, because um, I, I got some, some stuff to do tonight. Uh, I got I got to prepare. I'm flying out in the morning, boys. Um, I'm going to rattle off these results. If there's anything you want to talk about um, from the weekend, from any of these games, um, after I, I'm done you know, speak now or, or forever hold your peace. There's actually some interesting notes from some of these other games if we want to hit on them very quickly. Uh, speaking of that, Arsenal won Watford nil. Emil Smith-Rowe with the goal that got him into the England side. Uh, so his first call-up uh, with the England team um, this weekend. So that's a good win for Arsenal. Everton and Tottenham finished goalless. That's Conte's first uh, game in charge. So a bit of a disappointment there, but you know, at least they didn't lose. Um, Norwich to Brentford nil. The result, the the win that cost Daniel Farkas his job. Um, Crystal Palace to Wolves nil. Very very solid win there for Crystal Palace. Brighton and Newcastle finished one one at the Amex. Southampton won Aston Villa nil. That was on Friday night. Any any other notes from the weekend on those games? Um, real quick. Yeah. Just. Just how I keep reiterating that um, Chelsea are going to have to do something with uh, Connor Gallagher next season, whether that be in their first team or they sell him for big money to someone else's first team because he is ready and is performing at such a high level. And second of all, how in the hell does Newcastle not get their first win of the season when Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, goes out with a red card and fucking Shane Duffy has to, has to, has to step in goal and they are down a man. How does that happen? I don't it, know. It did I happen at the very end of the game, though. It was the second minute of stoppage time. Again, I don't care. <laughs> you know, a team that was more well-organized, more attack-oriented would have pounced on that and at least you know, made the last minute or two more interesting. Uh, so, yes, I am glad that Eddie Howe is my new manager because I want to see these players get up the pitch and, you know, uh, score some goals. We did see uh, the ghost of Dwight Gale this weekend, though. He came on in the f- the fourth minute for some reason. But, yeah. Um, Caleb, any, any, any final note from the weekend other than the championship update, which I'll give you in a minute? No, I uh, I got a pack too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, what did we think of the championship this past weekend? How how are things looking down there? I know I know Fulham got a phenomenal result last week. Yes, um, and that's that's a great segue into the um, English Football League championship update. Uh, Blackburn bounced back from that seven 0 thrashing. They took it home to <laughs> the Cottagers Christ. and defeated a resilient. Sheffield United squad 3-1. Oh, wow. Good result for that. So excellent return to their kind of um, upper table form uh, for Blackburn. Yeah. Um, Myth also recovered from a loss, their first loss of the season, oh, um, to uh, with a 4-0 dismantling of Swansea City out in Wales. Uh, Cherries and my cottagers are neck and neck at the top of the table. Uh, only two points separate them. Cottagers had a real nervy 1-0 victory over Peterborough um, away from home. Um, all yes. uh, On the road. At, we'll give you that. It's on the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and more parents. I mean, very difficult. Uh, it was actually a very difficult um, match. So uh, more proud of them. Um, good yeah, job. Uh, so your top six, uh, rounding out the top six of the table, you got West Brom, Coventry, Stoke, and QPR. Blackburn just outside. Hull City, Barnsley, and of course Darby in the relegation zone. Uh, next time they play, so obviously not this weekend, 
Um, next um, championship match is Friday, uh, the 19th. Uh, most teams play, obviously, Saturday the 20th. Not a whole lot of really interesting fixtures. Uh, Blackpool, West Brom, probably the best thing for your buck. And then that Bournemouth-Fulham match looming in December. Yes, uh, yes, early December. It will. It's actually a Friday, December 3rd evening That's it. In, in London match. So um, that will be one to circle, even if you are not um, a fan of either squad. Um, definitely a match to watch. Uh, yeah. Parker versus Silva, Fulham versus Burnmouth um, for the top of the table, probably. There's a wonderful place around the stadium. I, I think I think this is right. It's either there or Stamford Bridge. It's in West London. You can get a nice cup of tea there. Make your way down to the cottage for that one. It's going to be wonderful. All right. Uh, thank you, Caleb. Uh, now, thanks for the, the table update from the championship. This is a quick look at the Premier League table. After game week 11, like we said, Chelsea sit top on 26 points. Manchester City on 23. West Ham on 23. Don't blink. Um, they're in third. Liverpool in fourth with 22 points. Arsenal, after that win, up to fifth with 20 points. Look at Arsenal go. Uh, Manchester United down to sixth. They are in 17th spot. That's even with Brighton, who are in seventh. Uh, Wolves, Tottenham, and Crystal Palace round out your top of the table. Leicester City. Oh, sorry. Forgot one. Everton uh, on 15 points in 11th. They're just ahead of Leicester City, who also have 15 points in 12th. Southampton, uh, Brentford, Leeds, Aston Villa, and Watford just above your relegation zone there. And then it's Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich, um, uh, who are in your bottom three. All right. We missed this last week, so I'm going to go through it very, very quickly. Um, Top shelf picks. Now... Um, as I said earlier, I believe I did not get any points from this past weekend. Um, so, uh, United and, and City was our first pick. That ended 2-0 to City. So I predicted a draw and got nothing out of that. Predicted 1-1, uh, and the Red Devils failed me once again. Jordan, uh, predicted a City win. He got the point from that. Caleb, you also predicted a draw 2-2, um, between City and United. And so, uh... Unfortunately, no points there, but you are still on the lead, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Everton was a draw against Tottenham. That was goalless. Jordan, you got a point for that, um, uh, for predicting one-one draw. Both Caleb and I missed out because we thought there would at least be some. There would, we thought there would at least be some kind of action out of that game. Um, although there was, wasn't there? Wasn't Mason Holgate sent off at the end or something? I think that's right. Um, uh, yes, yes, he was. He was okay. sent off for lunging into a player. Okay, so at least at least the fans got some action out of that one. And then, of course, the uh, the result: West Ham three, Liverpool two. Uh, Caleb, you did predict a West Ham victory. You got the point there. Uh, both Jordan and I predicted Liverpool victories, and uh, we got wrong. Jordan, very very close. You predicted three two to Liverpool. It was just reversed. So Caleb still sits at the top of. The uh, top shelf pick standings with 16 points. Jordan, you've got 13, and I am rock bottom with 10. I am I'm I'm the Norwich of this season so far. Maybe I should fire Daniel Farka, um, but only after I have a good weekend. I don't say you gotta have a good week. <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta do well and then fire my manager. Um, so so yeah, like I said, I kind of wanted to get through the show a little quicker than we did, but I do want to point this out before we sign off. Guys, can you imagine this time next season we're going to be getting ready. We're going to be getting ready for another Thanksgiving, obviously. Um, my birthday's next week, so we'll be getting ready for that. But also, we're going to be preparing for a World Cup. 21st of November, 2022, is when the first match day of the 2022 World Cup uh, is. That's, that's, that's the first match day. It's just so weird to feel not, this feeling. Not just preparing for it, but preparing to attend. I'll, I'll be going to at least one match, so it'll be it'll be very odd. I mean, World Cup is such a summer thing, uh, summer tradition, so it will be odd. But you know, I don't think we'll do this a whole lot, so that'll be fun. Obviously, not this World Cup, the following World Cup. But um, oh, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, going to Qatar. I was like, wow, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Caleb's stepping up now. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it will. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to go there during the winter. But yeah, it's it'll be it'll be odd because it's 
I'm used to kind of watching it, and, you know, you can kind of watch these matches, and it's summer afternoon, and those kinds of things, and obviously yeah. there's a lot that happens around the holidays, so it'll be, but I mean, it'll be it'll be fantastic whenever they hold it. Something else to watch on Thanksgiving Day as well. They're going to do, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like four matches a day, so because it's like, it's usually it's a month, and I think it's like three and a half weeks, or three weeks and some change this time, because of the, the just the time of the year that they're doing it and everything like that. But so four matches a day, and I think the first one starts at like 4 a.m. Central, <laughs> 5 a.m. Eastern time. So yeah, so that's that's going to be... I will definitely get up and watch the first ever match, which is at 4 a.m., which will be Qatar and whoever else is in Group A. Um, but the other ones, I can't make any promises. Yes, Jordan? Uh, you know, I was going to say, I don't know if it's going to lose a little bit of luster just because it's moving into... Probably the most sports-laden uh, time of the year with, you know, basketball, hockey, uh, you know, Premier League soccer, professional football, college football, all kind of, uh, uh, you know, some in the middle of the season, others, you know, towards the zenith of their seasons, uh, you know, because for me, the World Cup and then like the European Championship was always kind of a signifier that the dog days of summer are here. And oh God, baseball uh, is the only sport we have for the next month or so. Um, so it's going to be different, but uh, but interesting. Um, yeah, that just means more trips. That just means more more trips to the pub. Uh, you know, to watch uh, watch matches. Yeah. Exactly, and the Premier League will take a break uh, after the weekend of November the 12th and the 13th in 2022. It will resume on Boxing Day of 2022, so that is the the break, November 12th slash 13th, that weekend until Boxing Day. Premier League will be uh, taking a break from action. It only gives players about a week to prepare, so. All right, thanks guys. you know, a little bit later in the week, but I appreciate you guys uh, showing up. And uh, yeah, Caleb and I have got to go pack and, and prepare our livers. So, Jordan? Let's go eat some pies. Let's go eat some pies. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.